All right, so I have a joke from my old Filipino pastor, but I have to warn you guys, it's really lame and corny, but do you guys want to hear it? Yes. Okay, I warned you. Do you guys know which book is the book of love? Anyone? You could shout out. Song of Solomon's? No, it is not Song of Solomon's. It is the book of Romans. Do you know, do you know why? Because it's filled with romans. <laughs> I know, I know. I warned you guys. You have to say it with a Filipino accent, uh, but in order for it to work, or some type of accent. But the reason why I bring up that joke is because we're continuing our message in the book of Romans. And so today we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So you could turn there in your smartphone or hardcover Bible. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. All right. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I really love this passage. Uh, I love all of Romans because there's just so much of uh, God to enjoy in, in this book, especially in this passage. And I come up here every now and then as of, uh, as a, on the preaching team. And my goal every time I come up here isn't necessary to give you guys application. It definitely isn't to entertain you guys. But my goal and my hope, my prayer is that, um, is that you guys together in reading his word and learning more about his word, we could enjoy God more than we've ever enjoyed him before. We could understand more of his goodness, his truth, his beauty, and we would just enjoy God. And so that's my prayer going into this passage. Um, and I'm going to break this down, but before I break this down, um, 
I have a, a question because I want you guys to talk to each other. That's, again, our church culture. So the question of the week is, share a time when you receive good news, and how did you respond to it? All right, so pair up twos or threes. I'm only going to give you guys three minutes. So share a time when you received good news, uh, and how did you respond? All right? All right, that sounds good. Uh, you guys can stop talking. I encourage you guys, uh, if you guys weren't finished or you didn't get to share, as we loiter, it's a great conversation breaker. Talk about it more afterwards. Uh, but how many of you guys uh, shared about that time when you found out that person that you really, really like likes you back? Anyone? All right, we have some people pointing each other out. Like, do you like me? Uh, how about uh, when, you, when you found out that you like, passed that really difficult class, or you got that uh, A on an exam that was like, really crutch uh, for you? Uh, maybe it was you getting that like, dream job that you've always wanted. Uh, I, I remember, um, I think it was after church or something, I saw Hannah Cardenas, is she here? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about it anyways. Uh, I saw her talking about like, her finally getting a job, uh, her teaching job that she's wanted. And I wasn't even like, woo! I wasn't even part of the conversation, but I just saw her dancing and doing that thing that she does. And I could see her celebrating. Um, I mean, even earlier, we just found out about Nina and Wilson, and we celebrated that. I, I think about when we are on Facebook and we find out someone just got married or are in a relationship now or they're having a baby and we're just kind of like, oh man, that's so exciting. Um, I also think about uh, when we find out that Chipotle, ha Chipotle has buy one, get one free. That's probably like really great news right there. And so all of these things, they're, they're good news. They're exciting to hear. And I imagine, how do we celebrate these things? How do we respond? I think it's with excitement, right? Like we go, there's this part of us that we just have to go and tell others. We rush on social media, posting it on Facebook, adding it to our Snap story. story. Um, there's like a, a, it, it even expresses itself physically, right? Like when we, like we, we jump for joy, we shout, we cry, we, we dance around. Um, and so th this excitement after hearing good news, it, it can't be contained, right? We, we have to express it. It overflows. And so the better, the better the good news, I believe, is the better, the bigger and better our response. And I believe that some of the best good news comes in the midst of bad news, like a light in the, that shines brighter in the darkness, or how food tastes better after, uh, after starving for a while. I believe that there's this good news that shines brighter, tastes sweeter, feels fuller in the midst of bad news. And I know this to be true. One of the best good news that I've ever heard was when Katie, my wife, she's the one that's like. 
It's when she told me that she loved me. Ah, uh, I know. But the moment that I remember this, her telling me this, um, the, the moment that it's strongest isn't, um, isn't when I took her on awesome dates, like when I took her to the park and I read scripture to her. <laughs> I read a verse, one verse, I read a verse in each book of the New Testament about suffering for the gospel. That's how you get them, boys. Take notes. Nor was it the time when I was doing all these things for her, like washing the dishes or giving her massages when she's stressed or overworked. But it was, in the, it was in the midst of when I heard this in bad news. Katie and I were, uh, in, at this time, Katie and I were still dating. And it's important that you know that she liked me first. Because if, you, if, you're, if it's your first time here and you don't believe in God, uh, miracles do exist. That's a good example. And so it, it, it was uh, the early parts of our relationship. And for some of you that know, don't know, I struggled a lot with pornography addiction. And it, it was, by God's grace, six months uh, I was clean of that addiction. I was on a great streak. It was like an all-time record at that time. And then uh, Katie, we were in a relationship again, uh, or dating, as I said, and she left for the weekend for a treat. And so I didn't get to talk to her because her cell phone reception was poor. And I, over the weekend, dropped my guard, and I had a relapse. And I remember just... You know, it, it's kind of like Justin quotes Proverbs a lot when he says it's like a dog returning to his vomit. And I remember falling, and just the first thought that came into my head was like, man, how am I going to tell this to Katie? How am I going to confess this to her? And part of me was like, ah, do I have to confess it? Like, maybe I could just confess it to God and everything would be good. And when I finally told her, right, even though I was so scared and nervous and crying, when I finally told her, told her this bad news of what I had done, I was blown away by the good news that I heard, that she still loved me. And I know those words I didn't deserve to hear. And so in this passage that we're going to read in Romans, it is good news. It is what I would say the best good news we could ever hear, ever, and we don't deserve to hear it, and yet we get to hear it. This is our truth. This is our reality. And so I want us to really rejoice and deepen our understanding of this good news. Can we do that? I pray we can do that. So let's go. Uh, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All right, so get this, right? 
that word in the first verse, justified, what that means is that you and I, we stand before this holy God, acceptable, spotless, blameless, pure, without sin, despite our sins. By what means? Is it by our works? Is it by our moral efforts? Is it because we're awesome that we can be justified? No. It's by faith in him. It's because of him. It's through him. And later on in the passage, we'll read that it's by his blood that we're justified. It's in Christ alone. There's this hymn, and I think we're going to sing it on later on, because uh, I told Ben that I love hymns. And it goes, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so if, it, if this good news, if that weren't just enough, right, that we've been justified, this, it's because we've been justified, we've also been given all these holy benefits. The first is we have peace, like real peace, not flimsy, weak peace that comes and go uh, with circumstance, but we have solid, adamantium, unchanging, reality-rooted peace. It surpasses all human understanding, and it guards our hearts and our mind. Because of this peace, we no longer fear the judgment that we deserve, the wrath of God. Think about it like this. Pretend that we owe like, a huge debt. Uh, maybe it's your college loans on steroids. Maybe it's you, know, you owe the mafia a million dollars. And so imagine the stress you have knowing that if you don't pay the mafia back, uh, or you don't pay off your college loans, things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. And you're just under this big stress, this heavy burden. Maybe you guys feel something similar to that. And that peace, that peace that comes when that debt is paid, we no longer have to worry about that. When, when, when you've been freed from that, that's the peace that God gives us, is that our debt is paid. It's not, this, it's not this fickle thing because it's rooted in our feelings, but it's rooted in the absolute truth of God. Peace, it, it frees us from the baggage of our sins. And not only that, but we also have unthinkable access. We get to, bo- we get to go before God, the Holy One, We get to call upon his name. We get to call him Father. Like, think about how amazing that is. Like, he is the holiest of holies. Like, I imagine uh, a dirty, poo, muddy-covered boy, right, Uh, trying to answer this expensive, marble, clean, white, spotless home. Who would let such a child enter into that home? And the answer is Jesus. He takes on our crap and he gives us white robes of righteousness so that we can come before God clean with confidence because we've been invited in. That access shows us that God, he wants us, he invites us in. And we also have, so peace, access by grace, and we also have joy and hope. That 
what we believe, it's real. Christ is real. This isn't some make-believe story or some social construct that humanity has invented in order to feel better or to cope with, you know, the pointlessness of reality. But the picture in Revelation, right? The, the, in chapter 21, the, the one where we get our, our name, Renew, where God takes all of his people, you know, that's composed of all nations throughout all of history, and we're worshiping Jesus Christ together in that new heavens and new earth where there is no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. There's just this great joy of God and this enjoyment with each other, and that the glory of God replaces the sun. That day that we hope, that's the day that we hope for. That's the day that our souls have been longing for. That day isn't isn't imaginary. It's real. Our hope is real. And so we could rejoice in that. And not only can we rejoice and have joy in the future, but we can have joy in the present. Like right now, we have joy even in our sufferings. We can rejoice in our sufferings not because we like pain, like masochists, right? Or because we're like delusional fools who don't accept the weight of pain and suffering and tragedy. But because we know that our God, he's sovereign. He's in complete control of everything. And that everything that happens, he's using it for his glory to build us for our deeper joy. Like, we, we can see the chain, right? That suffering produces endurance, and endurance leads to character, and character leads to hope. That this suffering, no matter how dark the depression is, no matter how painful the scars are, the wounds are, this suffering will get us more of God, somehow, some way. And so all these things, right, in this first part of the passage, they're all part of this good news. And I think we have to realize that, look, we're getting the better deal here. Okay, we're getting the better deal. Because I think sometimes we could come to church, we could come in our relationship with God, we can see that, oh, God, you're welcome. You know, you're welcome that I chose to believe in you. Uh, that, I chose to ser- that I choose to serve you, that I do these things for you. That, but you got to understand that we get so much more from God. It's an amazing deal. It's a ridiculous deal that God would take us and give us these things. And if you don't believe, if you don't see that we're getting the better deal, then this good news honestly isn't good news. It's just news to you. If you don't see that, we're getting the better deal. And what's amazing is that this good news, it gets even better. In verses 6 to 8, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So I think about, you know, 
who would you take a bullet for, right? Like who, in reading this passage, I think about like, who would you be willing to die for, right? Like, would you die for a righteous person? Would you die for maybe, right? Someone that's like morally, like morally good, that does good things? Maybe, right? I don't know. Uh, or maybe a good person, someone that has done good to you or has benefited you in some way. Uh, I, again, I think about Katie, and people always wonder how I come up with my questions of the week. And it's just because I just weird, think about weird things throughout the week. So there's one day, not even because of this passage, uh, I was just driving in my car and I was thinking about would I take a bullet for Katie? And I found myself in this big dilemma, right? Because you would think that the answer is, of course, yes, I should, because, you know, she's my wife. But I remembered that she wanted to, she really wants to die before I do, right? Like, she said, like, you... I want to go first, don't, you know, don't, don't die before me, right? And so I was thinking about, I was like, oh man, that's a dilemma because if I take that bullet for her, I die and then, she, you know, she has to live without me and she doesn't get to do that. Uh, but then if I don't take the bullet for her, like, I, I just, I'm just seen as a jerk, right? And so think about, like, who would you take a bullet for? You know, obviously we think about a person that's worthy of it, a person that's good. And so it's crazy when we hear that God would die for us while we're still sinners. And I know it feels like, and to so illustrate that, I have an illustration in order to, because in order to grasp this good news that Christ would die for us, I think we really need to understand the weight of the bad news, the bad news that we're sinners. Okay, so I need a volunteer. Uh, I need the most attractive bachelor as a volunteer. Anyone have a, anyone want to nominate themselves as the most attractive bachelor? All right, I'm going to choose Jay. Jay, could you come on up for me? Jay, uh, you can stand in front of the mic. Look at him. You're welcome. He's single and attractive. He's good at ping pong. All right, Jay, uh, what is your favorite food? Spicy beef noodle soup. Spicy beef noodle soup. Okay, that's good. That's a good choice. I approve. All right, so... Everyone imagine Jay, uh, church is over, we're done loitering, and he's walking back to his car, right? So you're walking back to your car. Um, and he sees a, a letter, right? A love letter on his dashboard, on, on, his, uh, on his car. And so he grabs the letter, it's scented, there's like hearts on it, and he reads it, and it says, and, and, it, and it's from the girl he likes, whose name is... <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, it's from the girl he likes. And he's reading it, and it says, Dear Jay, I think you're so cute. Your muscles make my heart go tagug, tagug, tagug. Would you like to eat beef noodle stew with me? A spicy beef noodle soup with me. 
And Jay, after hearing this good news, he's really excited. He's pumped. He's like, yes, because he likes this girl also, and he loves beef noodle soup. And so he goes on a couple dates with this girl, right? And they eat beef noodle soup. And after a couple dates, you know, they get married, and now they have two children, right? Right. Uh-huh. You, you work fast. I mean, she was the one, right? Yeah. She liked beef noodle soup. And so one day, uh, Jay comes back home after a long day of work. He comes at home a little bit early, and he goes to see his wife, and he enters, and his wife is on the bed, right? And he's excited to be with her. And Jay finds her in bed with another man. I know, right? (laughs) And she's cheating on him with this man that's uglier, has a horrible personality, is just bland and abusive, and just, it's like, what? Right? And Jay talks to her, like, later on, like, pulls her aside and says, why did you cheat on me? Why are you doing this? And her response is this. Look, Jay, I gave you part of my heart. But this other man, I gave him the rest. And, and so we hear that, right? And there's this part of us that feels like, what? Like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that she would cheat on Jay. I mean, look at him, right? <laughs> like, She's a fool. She's stupid. What is she doing? That, that is appalling. And, and so when we talk about how we're sinners, right, and when the Bible talks about sin, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, it, it's not this cold breaking of laws and rules, but it's, it's intimate. Look, what, what God says about his people. He says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly des- desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So imagine this. It's like, let's say I have this well of living water, right? That just, it's just delicious, it's fresh, it's, it's cool, and it just can satisfy my thirst. And how, and how appalling it would be if I turned around and dropped on the floor and tried sucking on dirt in order to quench my thirst. It's ridiculous. And that's what God says. Is, Look, this is the appalling thing. That, and that's what we do. We turn away from God and we go to creation, hoping that creation would satisfy us when only God can. We worship his things, the things of this world, above the creator, above God himself. We cheat on him with his things when he is so much better. Again, it's, we have to get sin right. It's not this cold breaking of arbitrary rules or morals, but it's this intimate rejection of who God is. It's, say, it's like we were saying, God, these things are better than you. And I, I think about, uh, thank you, Jay. You can go back to your seat. Oh, wait, wait, I have something for you. Do you want uh, a, a Christian book or a toothbrush? Christian book. Christian book. That was a good choice. 
Thank you. And, and so I, I think about that image, right? And I think, man, what are the things that I idolize? What are the things that we idolize? Because we have to see it. You know, I, I, maybe some of you guys, you guys idolize sex. Or maybe some of you guys idolize comfort or food. I'm starting to see how I idolize food because I'm on a diet now, and it's hard, right? Uh, and I think if I were to speak truth into our community, uh, into our church, from what I know, I think a lot of us, we idolize, we idolize community itself. We idolize relationships. We try to find affirmation. We try to, you know, we, we try to pursue fitting in and belonging. And not, not that this is a bad thing, but it's when we put it above God. It's when we, when we pursue it above God, when we say it's better than God's approval of us or the relationship we have with God. That's when it's sin, and that's when it's horrible and appalling. That's when it's when we turn from the living water, turn around, and suck on dirt. I pray that we would see our sins for what it is. Because in understanding this bad news, that all of us are sinners, that's what we've been talking about in Romans, right? That all of us are sinners. There's no excuse. All of us have cheated on God in some way, in some form, in many ways. But that's what makes this good news, the good news of the gospel, so amazing. Because Christ didn't die for the righteous. He didn't die for the morally good. He didn't die for a good person. He died for the weak. He died for the sinners. So in this story, right, like Christ wouldn't have died, didn't die for the wife after she got her life back together, after she went through therapy and counseling, after she worked hard to rebuild her relationship and pity herself up for her husband. No. What, what this passage is saying is that even in the midst of her sin, of her cheating, of her rebelling, of her turning away from God and going to other things, that's when Christ died for her. That's when Christ died for us. That's the beauty of this gospel. That it wasn't while we were strong, good, or pretty, but it was while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And this shows the deepness of God's love. And the best part, I haven't even got into the best part of the good news. The best part of the good news is in the latter part portion, in the, next, in the next passage, verses 9 to 11. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, there's that word again, right? Justified by his blood. That, while, that in our sins, right, in our, in our cheating, God looks at us, and all the cheating that we've done, 
all the idolizing that we've done, all the times when we chose creation above the creator, when God looks at us, he sees none of that. He sees us as pure, as clean, because God, Jesus Christ, absorbed the wrath. He's removed it all, and he sees us as, and now God sees us as beloved sons and daughters. And it's by his life we live. And, and the final rejoice, right? The, the third rejoice in this passage is that we rejoice in God through Je- himself through Jesus. That, 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 what's what it means to be reconciled? It's when you have a broken relationship and it's mended, it's fixed. Because of our sins, our relationship with God was fractured and was broken and there is nothing that we could have done to fix it. But God pursued us and he fixed the relationship. So now the greatest part of the, the good news, the greatest part of the good news of the gospel is that we don't get a, isn't that we get a bunch of nice stuff or that everything goes our way or that we get to escape hell. But the good news, the greatest part of this gospel is that we get God. We get to have a relationship with God again. We get to know him and love him and bask in him. That's the good news. That's what we should rejoice in. Above all of the things is that we get God. Because without God, we have no peace. We have no hope. We have no reason for joy, especially in times of suffering. Without God, we are not justified. We are not reconciled. And we are not saved and loved. Finally, I think back to my sins. I, I remember this scene where me and Katie are parked in the car at Acacia Park. And I remember how I'm struggling with my words and my thoughts of how am I going to confess to her my relapse into pornography. I remember wanting so badly to sugarcoat it to make up excuses. I remember the fear I felt, like, man, is she gonna run, out, run away and like, escape through the car and just go through the park and hide in the woods or go back home? Or even worse, is she going to break up with me? I remember the pain I felt because of my sin, because of, of because of what I had done. And I, I remember seeing the pain that she felt also when I confessed to her. And then I remember this overwhelming feeling of love when instead of running away, right, instead of exiting the car and booking it, she embraced me. She held me in her arms. And in that moment, I understood the gospel more than I had my entire life. Because I knew, like, man, if my sin hurts me and hurts her to this extent, how much more does it hurt and offend God, who loves us so much, who deserves so much more of our love? And if this 
imperfect person, Katie, can love me and express love to me like this, how much more does God love me and embrace me and want me despite my sins? The answer is infinitely more. And that's what the cross is all about. This is the good news that we share in. And so I, I pray that how, how do we respond? Again, when we hear good news, the better the news, the better the response. The more we can't keep it in, the more we got to tell others, the more we got to express it, the more we got to dance and shout and our lives are consumed by it. I pray that our lives would be marked by joy. And that doesn't always mean that we're happy and, you know, like, ooh, no depression, no struggling. But I think there's this joy that we have, even while sorrowful, even while struggling, because we know the good news that we have God by his grace, by his love. And we can tell others, we can invite others into this. That's our job, that's our mission as a church to tell others about this good news and to remind one another because we will forget. Many of you guys came in this room forgetting this, how great this good news was. And now we remember. And now I pray that we would go and out of overflow, again, share the good news. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you. Um, we didn't deserve any of these things. We didn't deserve your love, your peace, your goodness, and yet you give it to us. I, I don't, sometimes I wonder why, God. When, when I understand, when I look at my sins, when I really come to terms with all of my baggage, with all of my wickedness, with all of my wretchedness, I wonder, man, God, why would you love me? And yet, even though I could doubt it and even though I could struggle with it, I, I know it to be true. I know it to be true that your son died for us while we were still sinners. And now, we get to enjoy you forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us through your word and reminding us and showing us the greatest news of all. We love you, but you love us infinitely more, and it's in your sweet, sweet name you pray. Amen.